Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Your hosts are Becky Olson and Sharon Hennepin. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, their friends and family with the resources, support, and inspiration they can use right now. Here are your hosts, Sharon and Becky. Well, welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. I'm Sharon Hennepin. I'm a 23-year breast cancer survivor, a certified life coach, and the author of my upcoming book, Thriving Beyond Cancer. And my name is Becky Olson. I'm a three-time 21 now year survivor. I'm also a professional speaker and the author of The Hat That Saved My Life. We're also the co-founders of Breast Friends, and both of us have really nasty colds. So (laughs) hanging out in all the wrong places or something. Yeah. Um, We would really like to welcome all of our listeners today, and especially those in Europe. You know, when we found out that we have have about over 5,000 downloads a month, and we're we found out that a good number of them come from over in the UK. So we're really happy about that. And we would just love to hear from all of our listeners. If you have any ideas for a, an upcoming show, let us know. Um, we'd love to love to hear what you're interested in. Absolutely. And also, um, make sure you forward this information to other people. So, you know, if you have a person in your life that might be um, helped by these shows, we'd love for you to forward those infor- that, that information, share that information. So, <clears throat> we've talked um, about this subject before, but this time... We're actually talking with a nurse, a uh, nurse navigator, in fact, who recommends the use of medical, medical cannabis in her practice as a nurse navigator. So this is Neek Pichette. Thank you for coming on. Welcome, Neek. Thank you. We're so well, glad to uh, have you. Yeah, yeah no yes, kidding. It's an, honor. it's an honor to be here and be able to share my story. Oh, that's fabulous. So, what? <clears throat> excuse me, why don't you introduce yourself to our audience, and we'll kind of ask questions as we go through. Okay, sounds great. So, my name is Neek Pichette, and I'm a two-time breast cancer survivor. I'm actually coming into my 39th month of remission for my second battle. I'm a Yay. Veteran wow. of the United States. Yeah, I'm a veteran of the United States Marine Corps. Um, really? That's impressive. Um, wait, let's go back to the U.S. Marine Corps. So what did you do in the Marines? That's pretty awesome. Um, I survived Paris Island, first of all. <laughs> and wow. then I, um, I was in electronics, teletype and computer repair. Really? And you went Absolutely. from that into the medical field. That's Well, I actually left the medical field. I left college. I went into the Marine Corps older. Um, I was 21. And then um, I went back into nursing school when I got out of the military. Oh, that's Fabulous. fascinating. Wow. I just don't meet too many female Marines. I know they're out there. And boy, I'll tell you, if We'd love to hear from more of you. So, but that's pretty. That's pretty amazing. I wanted to hear more about that when I saw it on your on your resume. So, that's pretty neat. Well, good for you, and thank you for your service. Really appreciate it. Thank so you. carry on. <laughs> carry on. Sorry. <laughs> like I said, we do like to interrupt when some tickles us. You know. <laughs> yes. So, um, so with that being said, um, I am a master prepared nurse, and I 
did get my master's in nursing leadership and infra and uh, and um, gosh, I'm sorry, I forgot the other piece of it. <laughs> but That's it's nursing. Okay. It happens to us all system, the time. <laughs> system changes, and why I did that was after uh, my dad had passed away. Uh, he was um, 85 and had severe complications of Lewy body dementia. Um, I only decided to get my master's degree because um, he didn't have an education and education was important to him. Yeah, that so would make sense. I went ahead and got my, uh, was working on my master's when I uh, struggled with my first battle with breast cancer in 2011 and I had to get out of school. Um, I went back into school and did finally complete my uh, master's program and then in, two, in 2012 and in 2013, I was re-diagnosed with breast cancer again. Yeah, um, bummer. Do you mind talking so, a little bit more about your diagnosis? Like what, what stage were you and what kind of treatments did you have to endure? Do you mind sharing any of that? No, that's fine. When I was first diagnosed, I mean, first of all, I really need to say that it's so important to like follow up with with care if you find a lump or anything that could possibly be suspicious because as a nurse, I should have known better, but I had a lump for several years, years Uh-oh. before I decided to go get it checked out. Oh, um, I didn't feel, I felt I was too young. I didn't feel that it was anything. I was a nurse. I didn't want to seem like I was like, you know, trying to over-process this and overthink this. So I let it go. And then in 2011, um, it was around August that the, the tissue around this lump that I had started to change. Um, and I was living in Connecticut at the time, and I was shared it with one of the nurses I worked with, and she was like, you need to go to the doctor, like, immediately. So... I went through the process, and of course, um, you know, the mammogram, the biopsies, and all of that, and then found out that I did, in fact, have breast cancer, um, and it was both invasive and non-invasive. So oh, I interesting. Both- so you had more than one tumor? Yeah, yes. Well, I had more than one cell. I had, I, the tumor, I guess, was invasive. They never staged it for me. Um, My treatment was at Dana-Faber in Boston, and Mm -hmm. they never really staged me. Um, Hmm. But I had both the DCIS, which is a stage zero, because it's so encapsulated, and then I had invasive cells. So when they retested me, um, because my first results came from a small community hospital, Boston retested the tissue and found that my left breast was just totally filled with DCIS, and then there were these invasive cancer cells that were floating in there as well. Wow. So So this is new for me. I've not heard of that before. Sharon, have you? Yeah, they... 
Well, I've heard, I've heard, you know, there's like for me, for me, I had a lump and then I also had another cancer site. So mine was a little more advanced. So, um, but to have all that DCIS going yeah. on at the same time, I've well, just never and, heard of that. And that's, that's sometimes why people end up having to have a mastectomy, um, at early stages, like, you know, DCIS, um, right. because it's, it's like predominant around the whole entire breast, yeah. Right. So, or, okay. or big enough proportion, yeah. yeah you're that absolutely it would... correct. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely correct. That's what the physician said because the first part of my plan was going to be chemo and radiation, right? And then when the test results came back with all that DCIS, it changed to a total mastectomy. Yeah. So, yeah. just Nick, real quick, the lump that you had in there for so long was that lump actually? Um, a tumor, or was it just what got you in, and it was something completely unrelated? Because that it just seems odd to me. It was what? It was actually a tumor. It was okay. Oh, so that okay. was yeah, probably the invasive part then. Okay, yeah. interesting. And what what but, happened was, you know, as a nurse, you know, you hear these myths that oh, if you can move the lump, it's not cancer. So my lump was mobile. So I figured, oh, it's not cancer because it's not stuck on anything. Yeah, right. generally right. that's true. So right, but in your case, it wasn't. Yeah, that's no. why if you if just for our listeners' sake, we always want to have something checked. And I know sometimes we can feel like hypochondriacs, you know, especially if you've been diagnosed and you have something else come up. I mean, I know I felt that way, but <clears throat> if if there's been a change in your breast tissue, that's why it's so important to know know what normal is in your breast tissue. And then if there is a change, go get it checked. And that is that is the 30-second commercial yes. for self-breast exams. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah, know, and, if, and if you're one who doesn't want to make a big deal out of a self-breast exam, then a good way to do it is when you're in the shower, soap your breasts up, and then just slide your fingers over and feel. I mean, it. that's how I found my second um, bat. When I went through cancer the second time, I found my tumor on the left side. It finally just got big enough to feel in the shower. I couldn't feel it before that. And 10 months earlier, I had nothing there. So it's a real good reason to do self-breast exam because you know what's normal in your body and what isn't. And don't wait, you know, if you, by the time you feel a lump, it's usually more advanced. So... You know, you do want to still get your mammograms, too. It's really important. Absolutely. That's why it's a three-pronged process, you know, also including that that yearly exam with your doctor just to make sure that because he's going to do a deeper and more thorough kind of exam. So that's why they call it a three-pronged process. That's right. So. And my first time I was found by a nurse um, practitioner, actually. Yeah. She's the one that felt my lump. And, and I had been told seven years prior to that that it was cancerous or, excuse me, not cancerous. It was fibrous tissue. I had a I had a mammogram seven years earlier, and it was that's all they said it was. But over time, it grew, and it was actually a nurse practitioner on a clinical breast exam who found that and sent me in for a mammogram, and we found out it was a stage three tumor. So, you know, and then I found my second one, and the third one showed up on a PET scan. So, you know, you just you have you need to be be very diligent, very proactive. Yes, yep, indeed. Right. Yes. So. So I'm going to take you back to something you said, Nick, um, a master prepared nurse. I've never heard that term before. Can you explain what that is for me? 
Well, I just say master prepared because I'm not a nurse practitioner. I do not okay. have prescriptive rights. I just okay. have an advanced degree in nursing. Okay. okay. All right. That okay. makes sense. All I had right. never heard that term either, so I'm glad you asked it because I was going to if you didn't. So yeah, good. absolutely. Yeah. And so you, um, as you are going through your cancer diagnosis and treatment, um, is that when you were introduced to cannabis? Is that? The second time. Um, The the second time. time, Okay. The first time I just had the total mastectomy, um, you know, went through all of those feelings that go along with that. Oh, Um, boy, yes. Unfortunately... Where I was employed, I had been there for 11 months, and you had to be there for 12 months to be able to get family medical leave. So I literally had to have my mastectomy, get myself better, and be back to work in 30 days or I was going to be fired. So there was all this stuff, like, going on, and I... To be honest with you, I didn't really have time to think about everything that I was going through. Oh, I know. We, we talk about that a lot. Like, we just are keeping our heads above water, barely, just to keep our emotions intact and get through that train uh, that, uh, that treatment. And, yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Oof. Yeah, it's, it's very difficult. And then, for me, what made it even harder was that before... Before cancer was introduced into my life, I struggled with body image. I struggled with anxiety and depression. I had a significant eating disorder that really almost cost me my life. And now that I was up against a mastectomy, I, I just didn't even know how I felt as a woman. And that's something that we really don't have anybody to talk to about. Um, Yeah. My son was pretty funny because he came to my appointment with me to find out what my treatment plan was going to be. And he was, (laughs) excuse me, 20 at the time. Mm -hmm. And when I found I was getting all ready for chemo and radiation, and then the plan was changed that I was having a mastectomy. So I, like started to cry and you know I had had breast implants because I thought that that was going to make me more beautiful and now the <laughs> very thing that I thought made me attractive was getting like totally removed right so yeah. boy we can son, relate to that Neek honestly I mean we've both been um, down that path and it's hard you know you lose your hair you lose your eyelashes you lose your breasts you just work your way down you know <laughs> you lose your yeah, hormones exactly. you lose then, sex drive a lot well, of things the, go I you know hardest, I think the hardest part was the first time was that I I didn't go through radiation and chemotherapy so the only people that really knew that I had a mastectomy was people that knew me because you have clothes on right so, exactly yeah. you can hide that yeah. yes so you're yeah, dealing yeah. with so much inside that with my second battle, when I went through chemo and radiation and my hair fell out and I looked sick, then there was more opportunity to, for people to support me or I, I didn't like it when they felt bad for me, but they do. And so it was very different the second time around. 
So right. that, you know, you, my- you bring up a you bring up a good point there. We have a, an article on our website. It's called "But You Don't Look Sick," and it's about <laughs> it's about you know women who go through cancer. They're dealing with everything except the hair loss because they maybe they didn't do chemo or they did a kind of chemo that doesn't cause you to lose your hair. And so people think that you're okay, but the minute you do lose your hair, there's something some stigma that goes with that. It's just an interesting. Thing. And it's and it's a real thing. So oh, it yeah. absolutely yeah. is a real thing. Yeah, yeah. So we have so two I minutes we'll, until our break. So um, Sharon, I think you had a couple more questions. I'd like to yeah. hear more about that second, the second time because I had to step away from my microphone for a moment. Um, so Neek, what was the second battle like? I mean, you you heard, we heard about the first one with you know well, the DCIS. How'd you find the second? My reconstruction. I mean, gosh, Uh I think I had over 20 surgeries. Um, Wow. And and I had scars under my left arm. I had a left total mastectomy. And I had a lump on one of my scars under my left arm. And Mm. at first, again, as a nurse, I figured it was scar tissue. Right. Um, But then it started to change like that hard lump that was in my breast. Mm-hmm. So I, when I went to my appointment with a plastic surgeon, I said to him, you know, I think this is scar tissue, but could you check this? And he looked at me and he said, Neek, you need to call your oncologist. Oh, wow. And, so he could tell by looking at it that it was not, yeah, it was normal. not normal scar yeah. tissue. Yeah. So it was wow. on the same side that as your first go around. Yeah. Is that right? Wow. <laughs> you know what? We're going to talk more on the other side of the break, So, but we do have to actually take a break. So please stay with us, and we will be back in a minute. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. When was the last time you felt free? It's time to uncover that feeling again with the compassion of a cross and shield and the power of a car that opens doors to the best hospitals and medical centers in all 50 states. Giving you the freedom to love, to dream, to dance like no one is watching. Regions Blue Cross Blue Shield. Live fearless. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1 866 472 5792. Again, that's 1 866 472 5792. 
You may also send an email to Becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. We're so excited to have Neek Pichette with us. She's a nurse navigator who actually um, uh, talks about medical marijuana or cannabis, I guess is the best term for that these days. And uh, so we're excited to finish listening about your story. So anyway, you're diagnosed the second time because there's a scar, you have a little lump in your scar. So finish that real quickly and then we'll get right into how the medical cannabis got into the picture here. So um, I did what the plastic surgeon said, and as soon as I got out into the lobby of his office, I actually called my surgical oncologist, made an appointment, and was scheduled for another biopsy. Um, I'll actually never forget the day, because it was the day after the Boston Marathon bombings. Oh, and, my. Wow. And I was in the hospital right there in Boston, so it was very surreal. Um, I was actually remember walking in with the SWAT team and the M16s and everything was on lockdown and oh, you know wow. it I really felt blessed because cancer wasn't really that bad in the grand scheme of things um so it it was very um it was very emotional to be there during that time I bet. I you know that's done. that's amazing that's amazing um you know, just real quick, I remember my, my first oncologist on my first time when she said to me, Becky, there, I, I mean, I was kind of taken back. I didn't know what to think of it. But she said, Becky, there are worse ways to die than cancer. And I just looked at her as like, how can you say that? And something had just happened in a fast food chain where somebody walked in and opened fire, you know, and none of those people got to say goodbye. And when you think about the Boston Marathon, you know, people died, people lost limbs, Nobody planned that. Nobody had a exactly. chance to process. So that's that's really amazing, the comment you just made, that cancer is not that bad in the big big scheme of things. <laughs> yeah, really. You know? There's and, a lot worse yeah. things that can happen. Yeah. yeah. So that, thank you for saying that because when I remember when my doctor said it, I was kind of taken back by it at first. I wasn't quite sure how to process it, but over time it has sunk in. And for you to say it on air today is really brave and wonderful. So thank you. Just wanted to comment on that. Yeah, no problem. Okay. So, 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 how did how did the medical cannabis come about? How did how did you introduce that into your treatment plan, if you will? <laughs> okay, well, so you know you have to wait for your test results to come in. Um, I already knew that it was cancer just because I asked my surgeon when he came out of surgery, "What do you think, doc?" And he looked at me and said. 50-50, and just reading his eyes and his body language, I knew it was cancer. But um, you still have to wait for that phone call. You still have yep. to wait for the conclusion. So I got the phone call. I was re-diagnosed. I went to the beach. I sat at the beach and cried and looked up in the um, sky and started talking to my dad and said, Dad, why? Like, my life has been this constant hurdle of events some by my own poor choices and some by life, like, why again? And all of a sudden, I decided to embrace it. And I said, because of the things that I've done or happened to me in my life, I felt there was 
somebody I needed to touch or something else I needed to learn. So I went home and I started a blog that was then called Breast Cancer and Me. Um, And I decided as a nurse to now sit back as a patient and tell my story to whoever wanted to read it, what it was like going through cancer treatments, getting re-diagnosed, and the reality of what breast cancer does to you. While I was doing that, um, you know, it was a Facebook page, so of course people can comment. And over time, as I started to go through chemo and I was getting sicker, um, people started to reach out to me about cannabis, medical marijuana, whichever term you want to use. And at the time, I was a director of nursing operations. I did live in a medically legal state, but I was petrified that I was going to lose my nursing license and was like, I cannot touch this. Like, you just don't understand. Like, it is not an option for me. I then mm-hmm. um, started... To, you know, I was taking pictures because I was also journaling through photography on this page and saw a picture of my son and I um, when my, um, and I was extremely fragile. I was 111 pounds, I was bald, and for the first time in my life after my eating disorder, I thought I looked sick. No oh boy. I didn't want to fall back into my eating disorder, so... Mm-hmm. I reached out to a man, Stephen Plasek. He's out of Pennsylvania, and he was very persistent about, look, you need to try to help yourself with this. And Mm -hmm. I said, okay, Steve, what do I have to do now? How do I get my medical card? What do I do? Am I going to lose my nursing license? And he walked me through the process and helped me get what I needed through Rhode Island. Um, And then when I moved back home to Massachusetts, Canicare docs helped me in Massachusetts to get my medical card so then I could legally, medically use cannabis. Okay. And and that is kind of the bottom line of all this, too. You know, there's a lot of states that it is still illegal, even from a medical perspective. But I think last time I heard, I think it was 21 states had at least legalized it um, from a medical perspective. Of course, Oregon, we're right there with the... <laughs> we're, we're very progressive here yes, in Oregon. We are. Oregon and Washington, we, we have <laughs> just recreational legalized Party as well. Time. So. <laughs> but... But I found it fascinating because when I went into a store trying to learn more about medical uh, cannabis, I couldn't even see it at that point because I didn't have a medical card. So I think things have changed and I have not gone back into any of the stores to to really check it out. But I think it's a little different than than it used to be. But um, but they're trying to figure it out as they go along, too. So I, I understand this is a whole new piece of it. So how did medical cannabis help you in your treatment? It helped me to, it helped me with my pain. It helped me with my insomnia at night and it helped me with my weight. Okay. How did it help you with your weight? I'm guessing it gave her um, the munchies it, and you it, ate it more. It gave me the munchies. <laughs> I mean no, no kidding like all kidding aside, it, it gives yeah. you the munchies. It gives you the want to eat. So oh. Which is um, why I avoid it. 
<laughs> and I don't need I don't need you, to eat more. <laughs> Sorry. And to be honest with you, I wasn't. You know, everybody thinks marijuana. I'm going to smoke a joint. That's right. not. That is so. There is so much more to the medical so cannabis 60s. than that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and that's actually one of my questions is how does it differ to, you know, medical marijuana, how does it differ from, I guess, what you could call street weed, you know, or the stuff we grew up with in the 60s? You know, how does it, well, how does it from my from from my experiences, um, you know, I what I would do when I was going through my treatments was at night before I went to bed, I would have a brownie. Mm-hmm. I also did oils and tinctures. Um, I was very fortunate to have um, a caregiver, Chapman Dickerson, who um, is also a veteran and is also just opening a dispensary in Massachusetts and walked me through, um, gave me a gift package of tinctures and oils and flour and salve and just so many different ways that I was so ignorant of. Um, you know, I was always taught and I was always raised, you know, marijuana is a drug, say no to drugs, you know, but then when you fall into a situation in your life where, I mean, I'm facing another debilitating, life-threatening illness, what are your options? Right. I started cannabis because I was allergic to all the nausea medications for my chemotherapy. Oh, boy. So that sounds familiar. I couldn't, I couldn't take the conventional medication that the doctors were prescribing me. So oh, wow. That's so no wonder. Why, <laughs> well, you that? know, when you, when you think about medical marijuana, medical cannabis, I mean, it is a natural plant that's been around forever and ever. And like most nat- like most natural plants, there is usually a purpose to something. You know, I don't believe God puts plants on this earth to destroy us, but um, you know, it's not a chemical. It's not a it's not something that they make in a factory that really probably will harm you. But if you use it in the right way, you know, it's been used as for, for its medical properties for you know probably thousands of years. I would imagine before it became known as a quote drug, and and you know kind of ruined the status that goes with that is like you said Nick it's just like say no to drugs and this is a drug so right. you know kind of re reexamining that and pulling away from that image of it and looking at it as a helpful um, natural way to eliminate some pain you know pain and, sleeping yeah. Yeah. your appetite I think all of those are very very valid because yeah. the reality is many of our patients that we deal with and talk about um, end up having a lot of side effects of their their type of key uh, of treatment plan and so when that happens again it's it's another kind of tool for your toolbox yeah. that you can use exactly. to help you get through some of these things so and how do you use the oils how, how do you use the oils and the tinctures i mean the brownie i get it you just eat it so and you're probably made with with flower buds and things and i'm not sure but how do you use the oils and the tincture tell us about that well, the oils the oils you you really just need like a rice like a size of rice you know that wow. you can, so you can you can put it you can put it under your tongue you can put it on a cracker 
you know, whichever way that you can get it in, and it's such a small amount, over, you know, depending on the severity and the type of cancer that you're dealing with, determines the dosing that you need for the oil and, and for, the, for the cannabis. The piece here that's really important that I didn't even know about or learn about as a nurse, I found this out through my, my caregivers and people that were already so much involved in the cannabis community is that we all have, all mammals have an endocannabinoid system. So marijuana is, is um, built of cannabinoids. So basically, it's almost like marijuana is feeding your endocannabinoid system for if you're deficient in any of, of this. So there's, you know, the, the most that people recognize and hear about is CBD and THC, but there's a multiple, multiple um, cannabinoids and terpenes, and there's so much about this plant from a medical perspective that so many people, even medical people, just don't understand and don't know about. Right. Um, Dr. Raphael Meshulam out of Israel um, is 85 years old and has been researching this plant, the chemical properties of this plant, for over 50 years. And last year was just awarded the Lifetime Achievement Award by Harvard University. Um, wow. Israel is so much further advanced than we are. Um, it's you know, it's, again, getting over that bump in the road that says this is bad. Um, it has saved my life in so many ways. I don't use conventional medication anymore um, yeah. at all. I couldn't use tamoxifen. Um, it triggered my depression and anxiety. Um, cannabis helps my eating disorder stay at bay. Uh, it, it has so many properties. And again, I think, Sharon, it's important, like you said, it's just another tool for your toolbox. I'm not saying that everybody needs to, like, hop on board and use cannabis. I just feel that the medical community needs to open up its doors to holistic medicine to show patients and their families that you have choices. Right, right. You know, there's so, a thought... Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was just going to say that's a bigger topic altogether yeah. because the whole, the whole holistic, you know, natural things of, of what a naturopath and you know that whole kind of um, complementary medicine has to offer, and then you add this piece to it as well because it is a natural thing. The, the, the tricky part for me, though, is like how much do you take? Because it's not like a prescription that you, you know, go and get filled and your doctor has said you take one tablet three times a day sort of thing. Yeah. So, so how, how would, would somebody get started on this sort of thing? First of all, I feel it's very important to know your medicine to have medical-grade quality medicine and to make sure that you're using medicine that has been tested. Um, You know, we heard that that on the other show, too. That that must be a really big deal. So when you say that it's tested, first off, tested for what and how do you know? 
if it's been well, tested? Well, you're testing for the terpenes, the cannabinoids. So you're, you're looking, your test results come back and they're getting even more advanced. But for like a basic beginner, just knowing how much THC, it'll come back with a percentage of THC and it'll give you a percentage of CBD. And like I said, they're breaking down the cannabinoids and the terpenes even greater now. But when I started three years ago, it was just basic CBD, THC, and the percent of each. So, and what, what do we look then, for for percent-wise? What, what, what's a healthy result there for percentages? It depends what you're treating. It depends okay. what you're treating. And, you know, and the other piece that people have to understand is the endocannabinoid system is, a pers- is personal. Everybody's endocannabinoid system is okay. different. So, Fair. yes, okay. there are certain dosages and there are certain recommendations but it's just like conventional medicine. You have to be mindful about how it's affecting your body. Exactly. So, you know, and the THC part is the part that makes you feel what people know as high. The CBD, there's no psychoactive properties, so you don't feel high. But it's also important to understand that you do need the whole plant to, to be most effective, and that's known as the entourage effect. It's the combination of the CBD and the THC. Okay. And it doesn't have, you know, and there's, there's different ratios of it. Um, the 50-50 ratio of CBD and THC, you don't feel the high. Okay. When you have more THC and less CBD, you're going to feel the high. Um, you know, and, and I, we we actually have to go out to break, um, but when we come back, we'll we'll pick this up. But I do want to have one comment on the way out, so you, maybe you can think about this. Doctors, Western medicine, one of the most commonly probably overprescribed medications are opioid opioids. I can't even say that word. You know, drugs to control pain, and they're highly addictive. And, and it sounds like what you're telling me, since you're using uh, medical cannabis in a way that you don't feel that high, that perhaps you can get the same kind of pain relief without the addictive quality of that. So would you be thinking Absolutely. about that during our, our break? And we'll come back and pick that up on the other side. So um, with that, we are going to go out to break. So hang tight and we'll be back in a couple minutes. Step into a healthier you. Voice America Health & Wellness. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. When was the last time you felt free? It's time to uncover that feeling again with the compassion of a cross and shield and the power of a card that 
opens doors to the best hospitals and medical centers in all 50 states. Giving you the freedom to love, to dream, to dance like no one is watching. Regions Blue Cross Blue Shield. Live fearless. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. are tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. We've been talking about medical cannabis and how you might be able to use that as one of the tools in your toolbox when you're going through treatment, uh, dealing with pain, dealing with sleep issues, these kinds of things. So we have our guest, Nick Pichette, with us. And um, Becky, you broached a very fascinating question before the break. And it was just talking about, you know, it, with with uh, the problem with opioids in the uh, painkillers in our system this, these days, is this a good alternative that is natural? Neek, can you h- handle that one? I definitely um, know from firsthand experience that it's a better alternative that's natural. Um, not only myself, but I've worked with patients, and I also worked in the dispensary um, after I got more involved with cannabis, and I actually saw with my own eyes patients that were either undergoing cancer treatment or just had chronic pain issues that literally were weaning themselves off of pain medications, the opiates, and doing it with cannabis. The thing Mm. that is important is that coming off of opiates and opiate withdrawal, you can't die patients feel like they're going to die, but you can't, like, you, you can't die, like, with an alcohol withdrawal. Right. So patients okay. that use and start to replace cannabis with their opiates and do, like, a reduction of their opiates, start to actively wean themselves off of the opiates and then turn solely to um, marijuana. And that's, that's Coming and taking a lot of traction in the veterans community and everything that's going on with the opiate crisis that's out there. Um, mm-hmm. I'm from Massachusetts. I'm in California now, but where I was living, we had one of the highest opiate addiction and, and uh, death rates in the country. Um, wow. And it's so sad that it's acceptable to... Um, you know, even as working as a nurse, this is something that triggers me. I can have a coworker that is working on my side as a nurse that actively has a prescription for opiates, can be wearing a fentanyl patch, can have all of that on board while they're working, and that's acceptable because they have a prescription from a doctor. Mm-hmm. But because I um, use cannabis, I have lost multiple employment opportunities because of that. So mm-hmm. interesting. This wow. Is, this is 
this is where employment law needs to change. This is where education needs to be out there. It's very, very difficult. And even coming out on this show, it's very difficult for me because I am a working nurse in a traditional nursing setting. And like I said, I've lost opportunities, even though I'm, they know that I'm a two-time breast cancer survivor, even though they know the quality of the background of my nursing you know, employment and my work history, it, it still has such negative repercussions that we need to change. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes well, sense. I, I want to thank you all, all the more then for being on our show because it sounds like, you know, this is not, because it's not readily acceptable that there could be some repercussions that you're going to face from being on our show. And I really hope you don't. Um, that would be pretty terrible. Let, let me ask you one other question about, you were talking about your, your the person who can be next to you using opiates and functioning as best they can and hiding it pretty well. What about when you're using the pre- the prescribed dose of medical cannabis? It, can you function or is it likely to put you to sleep like the old personally, stuff used to? <laughs> personally, I have never used cannabis at work, going to work, okay. at any of that ever. What okay. happens with cannabis is, like, you can dose yourself. Like, I dose myself at night while I'm home before I go to bed. So, uh-huh. therefore, right. there, I'm, I'm not under the influence of anything. But okay. THC stays in your system. For, it can stay up to your system for at least three weeks. Mm-hmm. So, even if I used it once a week, like, people take, you know, a medication once a week. Some people take chemotherapy once a week. Um, Even if I just use it once a week because that's all my endocannabinoid system needs, then I'm still going to test positive. Wow. Wow. And that's where the the repercussions can come in. That makes sense. So that's an interesting, that that could be a whole show right by itself is changing laws and and how we do that. So um, that's a, that's a fascinating, mm mm-hmm. That's so why me, I okay. that's why I developed the cannabis nurse navigator position. Right. So tell us about Is that. It, let's just let's just go there. Well, I think it's very important. You know, there are some. I mean, I'm new to cannabis and the industry. There are some incredible nurses out there that have been in the forefront way before I even got involved. One of my greatest mentors and teachers has been Heather Manis, who is, you know, people know her as, you know, nature nurse. And (laughs) she has been, you know, monumental in helping me and changing my thought process and how to use cannabis in my treatments. But with that being said, I created the Cannabis Nurse Navigator position um, because... Nurse navigation is not new to nursing. There's Why don't you explain what that is? Navigator. Go ahead. Talk about what a nurse navigator is generally, and then we'll talk about how that differs from a, a cannabis nurse navigator. So a nurse navigator is simply a professional registered nurse with specific clinical knowledge who offers individualized assistance to patients, families, and caregivers 
to help them overcome healthcare system barriers. Okay. So truly a navigator um, is like you know you've got your navigator in the car who's looking at the map and telling you how to get where you absolutely. need to go. Absolutely. Got it. Okay. Absolutely. So it's you know, it's also this nurse navigator provides education and resources to facilities and to facilitate informed decision making in a timely fashion to quality health care providers knowledgeable in the specific area that the patient is in. So what I did was I added the cannabis piece to this so that way the cannabis nurse navigator can find its way into the medical health care system. And a cannabis navigator is going to help patients, families, and that medical team understand the benefits of using cannabis in your treatment plan if you choose to do so. Okay. Wonderful. And and that's such a big topic because again, you know, shall should I use should I use uh, acupuncture with my treatment? Should I use um, other herbs and to strengthen my immune system? Should I use cannabis as a um, a piece to help my sleeping anxiety, uh, these kinds of things. It should just be one of those is what I'm hearing. Is that right? It sh- did you say it should just be one? Yes, one uh, of I those alternative or complementary type of um, things that, that our patients can do. I've, I've worked with patients that use multiple, multiple, and... You know, um, Anne Fonfa from the Annie Appleseed Project has a wealth of knowledge who has been teaching me many of the different alternative choices that you can use, and they do use them in combination. Just like with conventional medicine where the doctors throw all these, you know, different types of prescription medications at you. Um, so, and that's what's important is understanding the benefits of the different, um, you know, uh, holistic choices that are out there as well. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's what Sharon was saying is that, you know, rather than just scratching this off the list, add it to, to that toolkit. You know, it's exactly. it sounds like there's just so much value there. And, you know, if it becomes just one of the tools in the toolkit, then maybe, you know, maybe it's. I don't know. It, it, it's a tough one to get people to switch gears. So I'm going to go back and ask you that question that I kind of asked earlier. If you cannot find a physician or if your physician won't prescribe a medical marijuana card for you, how do you get one? Because you can't buy okay, it without first one. All, so. I, first of all, I need to clarify that it's mm-hmm. not a prescription. Okay. Um, you know, it's not federally approved, so you're not getting a prescription. What you're okay. getting is each state through their Department of Health, has different Uh paperwork in which you have to find a doctor that would sign off on the authorization form that states that you have a qualifying condition. Okay. So that's... So if you're a doctor who you love and you respect and you care, you know, you know that they've got your best interest at heart, says, I'm sorry, I can't sign off on that because I don't believe in it. Um, short of finding another doctor, which, you know, sometimes you may not want to because you feel like you're getting good care, then how do you find one? 
to 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 sign off there, on it. Then there are different there are different places that you can go to, and again, it's you know searching somebody that's legit and appropriate. But there are doctors out there that are specific to cannabis, and with the you know they will follow you. They'll just follow your care alongside your traditional team. Okay. Um, I mean, there's, again, I'm new to California now, but for instance, there's Canacare Docs, there's Dr. Uma has um, Uplifting and Wellness, there's Dr., um, there's a doctor outside, you know, many different doctors in Boston, um, the area that I had that were specific to um, utilizing cannabis within your care. And they mm-hmm. actually follow these patients. You know, they don't just sign off on a card and you're and you're gone. You know, right. they really they really follow the the treatment that you're going through and have education and and different um, information such as dosing and types to help mm-hmm. you along the way. Okay. Okay. We are almost out of time and I'm wow. I'm it's this always amazes me how quickly our time can fly on this show. So um just real quick, if you can tell us first off how people can reach you, because you've been a wonderful guest and I know that people may have more questions about this topic and maybe they'd like to ask you some of those questions offline. So can you give us some contact information for you? Sure. Um, my website is Nikware, N-I-Q-U-E-W-E-A-R.com, um, and on there is my blog, and we will be launching the Cannabis Nurse Navigator website soon, um, okay. which is going to be more specific to just the cannabis. Um, okay. On that website, I have a cancer and fitness-inspired clothing line, my blog, different information and um, resources um, that I'm trying to grow to help people find the information that they need. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Nick. You've been a wonderful guest today, and we really, really, truly appreciate it. And to our listeners out there, again, if you have ideas for a radio show broadcast that you'd like to hear about, you can send topics of interest to our Facebook page at Breast Friends of Oregon, or you can send it to Becky at breastfriends.org and let us know what, what's on your mind. If you like listening to our show, we would like to encourage you to go to breastfriends.org. Uh, there's a lot of great information there, but at the top of the page, there's a big blue button that says Donate. And we'd love to have you make a donation in support of our radio show. We bring this to you every week, and Breast Friends pays for it, but it's... Not cheap. <laughs> so if anyone would like to support the radio show, we'd love to have your support of that. And other than that, I, you know, this has been really a great topic today. So we will be back next week. And until then, remember, there's always hope. And we're here to help you find it. Thank you for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Please join Sharon Hannafin and Becky Olson again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. There is always hope, and we'll help you find it. We'll talk again next time.